turn to 1 Corinthians. You come to the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Then you move on into Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. Okay, you'll dial right in there, and we'll focus on something here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to look at verse 21. All right. First Corinthians seven twenty one. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. I'd like to um, kind of work on that phrase, care not for it. Care not for it. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, Sometimes people think that they, they have to do all kinds of weird <laughs> things, uh, shall I say, in coming to God. And uh, the, really the only thing we need to do is, if we're believing what the Word is saying, is then do what the Word says. And that's, number one, to repent. And uh, that's something that everybody must do. The Scripture did say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have that in common, and we all have a need scripturally to repent. We all have that in common. But what I'd like you to see is that there were people that were being affected in a good way by the preaching and the witnessing of God's Word. And as they did, and as congregations were formed in different parts of the known world at that time, there were those apparently that were struggling. Uh, the, the word servant in those days could be likened unto in our days of being an employee as opposed to the master, which would be the employer. Different terminologies, but pretty much having the same idea. And... Uh, a little more binding, I'm, I suppose, back in those days to be a servant. But nonetheless, uh, there were those that were coming to God, and, and they were concerned. And Paul was making it clear in teaching that that has no bearing on this experience that Jesus Christ offers people. And he offers everybody everywhere. There is no exceptions. There's no country you could find or continent you could find even if you consider it to be a lost continent. <laughs> I consider it to be lost, all right. Lost without God. Wherever it's at, everybody needs this great experience, this great truth. Jesus died once and for all. So nobody's to be left out. Nobody's to be left out. Everybody everywhere, okay? And that's so important to grasp that. The original early congregation that Jesus Christ gave birth to and known as the body of Christ, commonly referred to as the church, but it's not the church house. That's just a physical building. But when you say the church, you're talking about the body of Christ. And this body of Christ, as it began to 
move forward and do the work of God and reaching out, as he said, after that you receive, I'll say this experience, he said, then you're going to be witnesses unto me. You're going to tell people about me. You're going to tell people about what, you, what happened to you and how that God didn't care if you were a, uh, a servant uh, or some type of slave or uh, work for somebody or whatever. It didn't make any difference what your background was or where you came from. And that's what the early original that was com comprised, the body of Christ was comprised uh, by and large at that time by Jewish people. And that, that the Spirit of the Lord had reached to them and had started with them. And it is written that salvation is of the Jew. And it began there with them. But then they had to get over the, the little attitude that, you know, it's all about us. And it wasn't just all about them. That Jesus would be a light to the whole world, to everybody, everywhere. And so it's very, very important to realize that God's not looking at, at what your um, pedigree is. You remember that there were those that came out to when John the baptizer was baptizing people in the river of Jordan. And when that was taking place, then the scripture said very plainly that John the baptizer looked at a group that showed up that day. And he, they had all kinds of religious thoughts about them. And uh, he said, uh, hey, he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know? And he began to tell them that they, they had to repent. Everybody has to repent. They didn't like to hear that. They thought they were just all that. And there, are, there is a spirit of self-righteousness. There is that that people get caught up in and they feel like they're all that. But, you know, in God's eyes, it's a, it's a rather leveling thing. Everybody is leveled out the same. Everybody needs him. Everybody's lost. Everybody needs the truth. Everybody needs to come to him. And we all need to come believing. We don't need to come arguing and fighting and trying to show that we're somebody. You know, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to come humbly. The way to do it is to present yourself to God. And he, he said, you can start all this debate about, you know, well, I'm this and I'm that and some get real high about it, and others get real depressed about it. But he was saying, care not for it. That doesn't have any, any bearing on what's going on. The Jewish had their teachings from the Old Testament. And as God had said, he was going to make a new covenant, a new agreement, a new contract. And that's what he did. And that's when he sent the messenger, which was John the baptizer. And he was preparing the way of the Lord. He was getting everything ready for the Messiah to step up on the scene as he had spoken the word and Mary gave birth to that child by the spoken word of the almighty God, a supernatural birth. And as that, that flesh was presented in the temple to the priest, according to the law, then the scripture teaches that he held up that child and he said, I can depart now in peace because mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. It was revealed to him that this child was the Christ child not just an ordinary child. He was the Christ child. He was supernaturally born. And, and he was the Word that was God made flesh. And it was, it was miraculous and it was wonderful what took place. And he was so excited and so happy. And as that uh, babe began to grow, the Scripture teaches, in grace and in knowledge. And um, there was those that, of course, sought to kill that child and sought to fight the great work of God. And there's always going to be that, you know. 
And everybody always feels so justified and so righteous in what they're doing when they're actually fighting God. But you know, the Lord sees down the road. He sees ahead of things. And he simply told, according to what was written in the Scripture, he was so far ahead of this thing. And he said, out of Egypt have I called my son. Well, how did my son get to Egypt? Well, he spoke to Joseph and Mary and said, take the child because there are those that seek to kill him. And so they skedaddled on a little vacation down to Egypt, if you please. And uh, then the time came when the Spirit of the Lord bid them to come back. They came back. And as time went by, and that child grew in grace and in knowledge, and then the time came for him to be presented to the people. And now he's about 30 years old. And he is uh, going about the people, and he's beginning to pray for them and begin to preach to them and minister to them. And as he did so, then people were changed. Their hearts were changed. They, they, they'd never seen it on this fashion, they proclaimed. And uh, one day he came down the middle of the street riding on a donkey. And uh, he, had a, he had a low rider, if you please. <laughs> and he came to town on, on a donkey. And, and, of course, there were those that were looking for something much more magnificent. But, you know, God has a way of, of getting our focus on where it belongs. And he didn't want people looking at physical things and natural things. He didn't want them, uh, you know, he could have come in a Rolls Royce. Sure, he could have done something magnificent, some big 18-hand stallion and parading into town with much fanfare, but that was not the plan. He came meek. He came lowly. He came as, a, as, as somebody that would get on our level. And he said, you don't have to worry. The people were worried, man. They thought, man, we're lost, and we don't know what to do, and and we're being scammed everywhere we turn. We're so tired of religious and religious ways. And it's, it's leaving us perplexed and confused and depressed. And so as Jesus came, meek and humble and lowly, riding on this donkey. And uh, as he did so, the Bible teaches that the people got so stirred, they, they just wanted to do something. And so they begin to gra grab pump fronds and they begin to, and, and with their outer garment, they begin to make a, a path like their little idea of a paved road down the dusty road there. And, uh, and as Jesus came down, of course, the religious people always have to criticize. They always got to criticize. And so and you watch. You watch a spirit. You watch an attitude. You watch gets a hold of people and what's driving people. And these people, these religious people begin to um, tell Jesus, you need to tell these people to hold their peace. Jesus said, if these people hold their peace, they're crying out, Hosanna. They're crying out, save us, save us, save us. We're in a desperate state here. And Jesus said, if these hold their peace, he said, the very rocks will cry out. The stones will cry out. Well, guess what? Those stones started crying anyway. Those stones were the Gentiles, the rest of the world. And he wasn't going to be a light just to the Jewish, but that he was going to be a savior of the whole world. Everybody, everywhere, every continent, every country, every shade, every language, every dialect. He was going to be to everybody. And aren't we glad of that? Aren't we glad of that? I read about a young man that went the wrong place one night. He went to the club, and there's no good there. And he went there, and, and as he was leaving that night, he got jumped. And uh, it's actually a a man and a woman, and they jumped him, and they, they beat him, and actually killed him. And, and while they were trying to save him from the situation and minister to him, 
Uh, and he was beat up and cut up and everything else. He said, why? Why did they jump me? He said, I don't have nothing. Nothing. His wallet was empty. His pockets were empty. They beat him up, and they wanted to rob him, and the, and the poor guy didn't have a penny to his pocket. You know, if you envision yourself, and it, it's well documented in the Scripture, that there were those that were so lifted up, and they bragged on one man came and he just bragged on himself before the altar of the Lord. And kind of like, look at me, look what I am, look what I do. And I'm so glad I'm not like this other guy, this other guy who had nothing, but who knelt before the Lord and wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but smote himself and said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And the Lord said, well, that guy, he's going to be all right. We're going to take care of him. He said, but the bragger, the guy that's, you know, strutting around, talking about he does this and he does that and he's all this and he's all that, he said, that guy's going nowhere with me. So you don't have to care not for it, the Scripture said. You don't have to worry about what your portfolio is or your bank account is or, or uh, other such things, what kind of vehicle you drive. You know, I've seen people through the years when they, when they had the beat-up jalopy, they'd park way down the end of the parking lot. Well, boy, when they got that new vehicle, whoo, they wanted right up front, first, first spot. <laughs> and the Lord said, care not for it. Care not for it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense to God at all. He doesn't traffic in that kind of thinking. You could get your wallet out and get all your credit cards with your chips in them. And you can, so I guess you can put your chips in, huh? push them to the center of the table. And uh, you can just revel in all of that. But the, it doesn't work with God. I got news for you. God doesn't take Master Charge or Card or whatever it's called. He doesn't, he doesn't take American Express, so you can leave home without it. He, he's not, he does not deal in that. There's only one card he accepts, and that's the faith card. That's the faith card. And he's given you He's given you that faith. He's given you that in your heart. And he's trying to tell you that if you'll just believe, only believe. He told people that over and over again. Only believe. It sounds so simple, but you know, we be stubborn. <laughs> we be stubborn. We, we just got a stubborn streak in us. We got that old unbelief thing going on. And that's at the root of all the problem is that unbelief. But you, you read where... Uh, one of the classic cases that I think in the Scripture in the New Testament was the woman that was trying to follow and catch up with the Lord and, and he's moving on and he's going through cities and through towns and dealing with situations. And um, as he was doing that, this woman was trying to catch up to him to get his attention. I was trying to get one of the little guys going downstairs this morning and I wanted to give him a little tic-tac. And uh, I don't know, he must have been thinking about something because he wasn't answering me, he wasn't hearing me. And finally his sister stopped and looked at him and pointed to me and, and I said, do you want a Tic Tac? Oh, the face brightened up and he came right up the stairs and he gave him a Tic Tac and thank you and he went, you know. And uh, I think his sister told him to be sure to say thank you. She, she's right on his case. But anyway, my point is, is that this woman, this woman was following after Jesus and she, and she was, the Lord evidently, wasn't paying attention or hearing her or on purpose was ignoring her to teach a lesson. And when the disciples said, man, she's pestering us, Lord. Won't you, won't you just talk to her? 
You know, he's making a big scene here and a big ruckus. And talk to her, Lord. Talk to her. It's nice when people can intercede, isn't it? Nice when people can pray and make a little intercession for you. Put a good word in for you. Remember you before the king. That's nice. And so Jesus stopped and he, he looked at the woman and she said, I've got a problem. I've got a problem in my home. i got a daughter. Bad, bad news. got a problem. And uh, the Lord said, well, it's not proper for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. You see, she wasn't Jewish. She was a Gentile. And oh, boy. Now, I'm telling you, to me, that, that's quite the insult. Not going to take what goes to the children, the Jewish, and give it to the other folks being a dog. They're dogs. What a test. You never know what you're, you know, you'd be so busy defending yourself or someone else. So busy about your ideas and your ways that you're missing the whole point. You're missing everything that God's trying to do. You're just making a mess out of things. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus said, it's not right for me. It's not proper for me to do it that way. And, and she didn't blink an eye. She didn't take offense. She wasn't looking to do anything to cause an upheaval. She was, she was beseeching the Lord here. And, and she, when she said that, when he said that, not going to give the bread to the dogs. She said, truth, Lord. Wow. She didn't put up a fuss. She didn't put up an argument. She, you're the master. You're the pastor. You're the, you're the one in charge here. You've got the answer here. Okay. Okay, truth, Lord. She said, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. Man, she stopped Jesus dead in his tracks. He marveled at her faith. That's a mighty big credit card you got there. I know some of you, are, I should be pretty familiar with our invitation card that we give out into the communities. And... Uh, I was in, a, in Publix one night. This has been a couple of months ago. And uh, I was on my way home, and I stopped. And uh, there was a, a natty-looking gentleman. I mean, he had a nice outfit on, but he looked like it was the end of the day, you know, and he was a little tired. And, and um, he, he got online behind me, and I, I turned to talk to him a little bit. And um, he, uh, you know, we had a nice little chat. And so I, I started to move along, and it was his turn and he uh, took out his credit card. And he put it through the machine, did all the junk you do, and paid for his groceries. And I was standing there. I was past him, and I had my bags ready to go. And, and um, I said, um, hey, I want you to try my card. It's bigger. <laughs> and I handed him my invitation card, which is probably about, what, five by seven, I guess, something like that. And, um, and he laughed. He got a big kick out of it. But I'm saying... This woman pulled out a mighty big card. Jesus marveled at her faith. She had her faith card all shined up and ready to go. You know, I'm not going to be turned off or turned away or, or get a bad attitude or take issue or argue or be disobedient or anything else. I'm just going to wave my card of faith at you and put my obedience with it. Lord marveled at her, and he said, you go ahead and go home now. 
your attitude is, everything's okay now. Everything will be fine with the daughter. You go right ahead. It'll be okay. Be okay with that offspring of yours. Everything will be fine. You know, that faith card. I read in the Bible where, where God said, that you're not going to get what I've got because of, your, because of your unbelief, because you didn't believe me. You know, it's an insult to God when you don't believe him. It's just a wrong way to deal with it. When God's got a way and God's got a path and God's got a system and you diss it and you take issue with it, you go against it. You can get him mighty angry. You can get him mighty stirred up. And he told a whole generation, you're going to wander in circles for 40 years because you didn't believe me. And you gave my man Moses a hard time. He said, so I'm going to look to the next generation. I'm going to go down to the, you know, when one won't, one will. And God looked to those that would. God looked to those that would believe him and that they would not abide in unbelief. If we can come to God and quit with the excuses, well, I'm, I'm this or I don't have that or, you know, and he said, care not for it. God doesn't care about a lot of those things. You come to God like you are. When such a deal we get, we come loaded down with sin. Cancer, if you please. We come all messed up. Yes, we do. No matter what you think, you may think you're all that. But you see, God sees things differently. His ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Scripture says. And it's important for you to base your faith on good old chapter and verse. Subject matter. Jesus did say, come unto me and learn of me. Let me teach you how this is done. He said, I am the way. Let me learn the way. Let me learn the right way to do things. God knows how many years. It was 20 years when God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I was just wandering around for those 20 years and getting worse every day and every second. It was just getting worse and worse and worse. Going deeper and deeper into the wrong things and going off course further and further extremes. And then somebody witnessed to me. Somebody talked to me. A gentleman by the name of Brother Stefano. He'd been an habitual gambler. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name. He began to live for God. He told me he was so addicted that every day at 1 o'clock he would leave his job. He was, a, he was a, a, a contractor. But he would leave his job and he would go to the racetrack to catch the last three races every day. And uh, he said, but one day, he said, I, I was in such a hurry to do that. He said, I ran out and I, I forgot that there were steps and I tripped. He said, and I broke my ankle. He said, but I went to the track first before I went to the hospital. That's how addicted he was. A broken leg, broken ankle, whatever it was. Overrode all the pain, all the difficulty, because he, he was addicted. He was just addicted to it. But when he got the Holy Ghost, he didn't need that anymore. He got such an experience in God that his heart was changed. His mind was changed for the good. Let me read to you from the book of Romans this morning, a little something that was taught to the congregation. Brand new people. 
brand new people that came, and it didn't matter how they were, what condition they were in. God knew that before the foundation of the world. He said, if I be lifted up, and they did lift him up on that cross, he said, I will draw all men unto me. And that's mankind unto me. And so, as they went to the church, the body of Christ that he started, the only one he ever started for everybody. As they begin to reach into different areas, they went to Rome and they, they taught the truth there. In spite of those that were trying to, and did form religions and did fight what the scripture teaches, but in, the church went forward. Even when they had to live underground, what was called the catacombs, they continued on and brought the message, brought the truth. And as they taught and sent the message to the pastor at the congregation at Rome for him to read it and deliver it to the congregation, then they, they heard these words. I want you to listen closely. This is the book of Romans. And you know you're always uh, welcome and you should. Pay attention to the chapter and verse. Romans chapter 6. As you look, if you would, at verse 9, knowing, this is Romans 6 and 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, that's the resurrection, dieth no more. He died once and for all. That's it. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto the Spirit. Likewise reckon ye also, don't you like he was a good southerner like us, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. No, once you're born again, and that's the whole crux of it. Jesus said you must be born again of water, and of the Spirit. Of water, after you repent, then he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So we baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's for the forgiveness, the full pardon of all of your sins. Everything you ever did wrong, thought wrong, acted wrong, will be forgiven. You know, that's, it's such a wonderful experience. And then when you come up out of the waters of baptism, then the heavens are opened over you and you can receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And that completes the born-again experience of water and spirit. That places you in the body of Christ, the church. Everybody said, praise the Lord. So listen to what he said. You're not under the law now, you're under grace. He said, I'll make a new covenant. We're under grace now. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. <laughs> know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death 
or of obedience unto righteousness. So you know, you've got you've to recognize that the Lord has got his hands, figuratively speaking, outstretched. He's calling everybody to him, not just Jews, but Gentiles, the whole world. And as we come to him, we come to him on his terms. You don't make this up as you go along. You don't, you don't do things your way. Not at all. And as, as you yield yourself, if you're not careful, you can yield yourself to the wrong spirit, to the wrong one. And it puts you in sin, whether continuing in it or going back to it. As opposed to if you'll obey and you'll submit, then you can, you can have righteousness in your life. And the book did say in Matthew 6.33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means his right way of doing things. His right way of doing things. Man, you know, that was a, that was a heavy deal that Jesus threw on that woman. Not going to give the children's bread to dogs. But boy, she pulled out a bigger card. <laughs> she trumped it. She said, you're right, Lord. You're right. You're right. I'm not going to take any offense here. I'm not going to argue here. I'm just looking for a crumb. Just, just give me a little crumb. It falls from the table of the children. It's just down the ground. I'll be the vacuum cleaner. Let me just get a crumb. There's a miracle in those crumbs. Oh, God. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves to, his servant. Now, you're going to be the servant of the enemy or you're going to be the servant of God. The choice is yours. You have an opportunity. He's looking right at you. He's pulling you. Like a fisherman reeling in a fish. He's bringing you in. He wants you to get in the boat or the church, the body of Christ. He wants you to come on in. He wants you to come out of darkness. He wants you to come out of sin. He wants you to come out of confusion and quarreling and fighting and temper and all the forces of the enemy that want to pull and destroy. That's what the enemy, the Bible tells you, comes to do. He comes to destroy. You better learn how to discern spirits. And one of the characteristics, friend, they always come to destroy, tear up, tear up. They like nothing better than to tear up the church. Oh, yeah. And if they have to do it one by one, they'll do it one by one. And everybody will go through their test. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself, you the one doing it, to whom you yield yourself, servants to obey, his servants you are. To obey. I want to. I want us to give ourselves to God. You want to get out of this world and the pull of this world, the system of this world. You want to be free from the clutches of the enemy. Somebody wrote a song and they said he's got the whole world in his hands. No, that's not exactly right. He's got the whole church in his hands, the whole body of Christ in his hands. The enemy has this world in his hands. And he's driving this world. And he's absolutely going to bring this world to a, 
a, a final conclusion of a, a war with God. And of course, he's already doomed and he's going to lose and it's going to happen. But woe unto them that follow that wrong spirit. Woe unto them that trying to show everybody, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> oh boy, it's going to be a sad day. Bible said, who are you to call for the day of the Lord? He said, for you, it's a day of destruction. It's a day of terror. It's a day of astonishment. <laughs> a lot of people talk a lot of junk, you know. They just make it up and figure God's going to go along with it, but that's not the case. God's the lawgiver. He's the one that sets it out there. You and I are the ones that need to repent. We're the ones that need to humble ourselves and become contrite or broken before him. Crushed. Didn't it say if you fall on the rock and be broken, everything going to be as the, as the Jamaicans say, airy. But if you don't fall on that rock, now Jesus is the rock. If you don't fall on that rock, if you don't repent, then the Bible said the rock is going to fall on you and you're going to be crushed. Far better to obey the pull of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Go ahead and repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you're going to perish. A whole lot better to work with God, not find yourself, and forget excuses. It is written, therefore thou art inexcusable, old man. No excuses. Nothing's going to work. He died on that cross. That flesh died on that cross. And the spirit that was in that flesh, the fullness of God's power and glory, withdrew from that body and left it. The carcass, the scripture used that term. They came and begged for that body. Pilate gave them leave. And they took the body and they wrapped it and they prepared it. Got it all ready. Meanwhile, you know, the spirit was in a place called hell, visiting people in prison. Preaching the gospel to them. I don't have any results, though. The Bible does not tell me. But I know he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then on the conclusion of that third day and night, he arose from the dead because the spirit that left that body re-entered that body. And the angel rolled away the stone. I like when angels roll away stones. I like when God tells them to do that. There's things we just can't do. It comes back to having faith and you trust the Lord. And you stand strong and you don't yield to the wrong spirits of disobedience and unrighteousness and pride and rebellion. You fight off those things. You resist those things. And you yield yourselves to God. Moses was called, God called him, my servant. My servant. The flesh was called my servant. I want to be the servant of the Lord. I want to do his bidding. I want to do what he says. And it means I've got to get my flesh under subjection. And I've got to keep it there. And I've got to keep beating on it. Paul said it was, he likened it to a, being a runner. And he said that he kept his body under. He disciplined it in running this race. And the writer said, there's a race set before you. And he said, run, run in that race. And remember, there's one crown, and it's incorruptible. 
It's going to be given to those that are in the body of Christ. That represents the overall one. And he said, you, you run. Run that you may obtain. You've got to keep this flesh on the subjection. We've got, to, we've got to have God's grace. This is not a get a touch one day and forget about it for the next three months or six months or years. You know, it doesn't work like that. We live for God every day. We grow in grace and knowledge every day. We're trying to bring this flesh under subjection every day. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. We're growing in grace and knowledge. We're learning. Learn of me, he said. Learn of me. Learn of me. People go on jobs and they learn. People go to higher institutions after they get out of high school and they learn natural things. Nothing wrong with that. Trying to have a, your job and maintain your job and keep your income. Nothing wrong with that. Somebody makes a little, somebody makes a lot. Care not for it, the book said. Care not for it. Those aren't the things that matter. That's not what matters at all. Okay? You can get so sidetracked by this world and the spirit of this world get so full of all the things that they say and teach and all the mass media that brings it into your, your life and your mind. And you can certainly get distracted. You can get pulled the wrong ways and forsake the things of God when the example was to embrace the things of God, to hold up the things of God, and to let God show you his salvation. He wants to open your understanding to it. He wants to show you how you can be born again, what that means. I had a young man tell me he was going to a certain place, and I said, well, that's too bad for you. <laughs> I said, they don't teach the truth. They don't teach what the Bible teaches. In some places, they have a smidgen of it. They have a little bit of it, you know. But they got a whole lot of things going on there that you just don't know about. There's a whole spirit attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. What did Paul say? Uh, you got a whole lot of, if you please, porters opening gates and bring them on in. But he said, you don't have many fathers. And he went on to tell them, I've begotten you in Christ. Some things, church family, we can't afford to lose. We can't afford to get to let go over. Any, there's just no excuse. Nothing's going to work. Except your faith card that you play by obedience. That makes God stop. That makes God marvel. That gets God's attention. And we want God's attention for the good. We want him to be pleased. We want our Father which is in heaven whose name is holy, great, godly, and mighty, that he is the creator and the former of all things. We want him to take notice of us. How can I get his attention? How can I get him to take notice of me? I'm nobody. I care not for it. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you're nobody. It doesn't matter that you don't have anything, that you're not flashing. I hope you're not flashing your bling because God doesn't care nothing about that. That doesn't, that doesn't get God's attention. 
He's looking for your faith. He's put faith in your heart. He's given you that seed faith. And he wants you to start applying it. Start applying it. You know, people, the kids had to get tuxes for the upcoming events here at the academy. And uh, they want to be looking good when that big limo pulls up. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, I told, met, we ran into somebody that we've known for quite a long time, and, and um, I told them, I said, uh, yeah, I said, we're, we're trying, one of the young ladies was getting a, an outfit, and said, yeah, we're, uh, we're getting ready for a Holy Ghost prom, and uh, got the limo all ready to go. You know, God's got so many good things in store. One fellow was so well off in this world, so full of himself, so much ambition, what he wanted to do. And he just always looked down the nose at the church, the body of Christ, and made fun of those that were him that was trying to do right and was doing right. And the problem was that, you know, as life went on and his, everything was increasing, he said, I'm going to tear down my barn. I'm going to build a bigger barn. To bestow all my goods. Yeah. And the Lord said, thou fool. He said, tonight's the night you're going to die. And then, who's, who's going to have everything that you have? What's it going to matter? What's it going to matter? There's been a very interesting article because it illustrates what goes on in life so much. And I will not use any names, but there was a man. And he was a, a lawyer. And he had a double mansion in Palm Beach overlooking the ocean. And he, uh, he and his wife married for many years. And uh, he had, they adopted two children. And the, the boy that was adopted... He got into drugs, and he overdosed and died. And the girl, she continued on, and she dabbled in drugs. And, uh, but she got her just enough education to get a little lawyer, lawyer license and kind of thought she could outfox everybody. And the, the father, he took cancer. He got sick. All his money couldn't save him. Nothing. The doctors could do nothing. And he died. His wife was 77 when he died. She's now 86, beginning stages of dementia. I don't know if it's of the Alzheimer's sort or not, but any form of dementia is not good. And uh, so the, the girl comes back around and she starts taking things out of the mansion. You know, like, I believe it was over $100,000 worth of silverware. You know, and uh, wine and bottles of wine, Rolls Royce and things like that, Bentley. She starts getting rid of things. 
this girl. And, uh, you know, you can't rule from the grave. That lawyer can't sit up straight and start saying, wait, no, you can't do that. Whatever was to be done, he had to get it done before he died. And in the Bible, I'm telling you, this guy had it going on, and he thought, going to move badder and bigger. Well, I guess he hit midlife crisis, huh? <laughs> and, uh, but the Bible said that the Lord said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. And he died. That's all the Bible said. He died. For a moment, that's all it said. You have to read on a little bit more. But he died. That's it. But the guy in the church that he always made fun of and looked down on and, you know, just never had time for that, didn't, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. You, know. you don't read about him faring sumptuously, this guy in the church. You don't read about him, you know, strutting his stuff. You don't read about that. He just seemed like a normal guy. He just didn't care for any of those things. But you know, he died. This guy in the church, he died also. But the scripture said that the angels came and got him. Oh, now that's a Rolls Royce I'm interested in. Right there. That's a Rolls Royce I'm interested in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I read an actual account of a guy that was in some way connected biblically. And uh, he had been, a, actually had been doing some preaching, maybe the son of a preacher. And uh, he, feel, he, he got involved with the Spirit, and it pulled him out of any truth and biblical groundings, and he became a comedian. I read this. Became a comedian. And uh, it opened all kinds of doors to sin. And he started going places and being around people and doing all kinds of things that were sinful. And one day, buzzing down the highway, out of Vegas, had a car crash. He was laying in the road. Laying in the road. And when the paramedics, rescue teams got there, they reported that this man's last words were, No! No! Don't take me! I'm just starting to have fun! And then he died. Gave up the last breath. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself, servants to obey. His servants you are to obey. You give yourself over to a destructive spirit. Spirits come to destroy. They are destructive by nature. That's what they do. They don't come to play patty cake. They don't have grace. They don't have love. They don't have healing. They don't have anything good that you would call a blessing. They don't possess that. They come to destroy. They come to kill. They come to pluck up what's planted. They don't want your life in peace and harmony. They don't want things in order. They don't want that. They want havoc. They want confusion. They want your life topsy-turvy. Oh, yeah. They just want to tear up what nice life God has planned for you. They want to destroy that. 
They want you to not believe God. They want you to believe them. They want to they want to destroy. You've got to you've got to discern that. You've got to see that. You've got to acknowledge that. You've got to repent. Every day we want to repent and do what? Overcome. Theme in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Repent and overcome. One of the themes, I should say. Repent and overcome. Help me, God. Help me, God. Well, what about it? Care not for it. What about that? Care not for it. Well, I could do it. Care not for it. Hang everything on a nail and get God. Get the born-again experience and keep it and let it keep you. Let it keep you. You can. People back in the day before automobiles, when they traveled the, the nation, the country, in the Conestoga wagons, and they, uh, their oxen team, and you know that's where the word cracker came from. You know, when the when the mule teams would come, and the drivers would crack the whip, people could hear them from so long away. They'd say, "Well, the crackers are coming." That's what you had up there in Yeehaw Junction. Yeah, that's kind of the shortcut when you get off at Yeehaw and you come down. I guess it's 441, you come down through Okeechobee and all those other nice little areas like Canal Point, Sand Cut, <laughs> and Pahokee. I'm not sure what the boundaries are on Sand Cut. I'm not sure what the zip code is or the post office deals with there, but there's Sand Cut, and then there's Pahokee, and then there's us at Belgrade and South Bay. Oh, yeah. But that's how they got that. And when those teams would take those wagons across the country and they'd, they'd run out of water and they couldn't find any. And their, every, all their possessions was loaded up in that wagon. Oh, mama's dresser and all of that stuff. Oh, boy, that was valuable, valuable, valuable. But the sun was beating down and there was no water. And they got out of the wagons, and they started, thought they saw water. But it was so sandy, they couldn't drive the wagon out that way, so they would walk, not realizing that it was a barrage, that it was a, a false thing. They thought they were seeing water, but it was just the shimmering of the sun on the horizon making a, gl a glare. There was no water. And they found them. They found them, their bleached bones. They died in that delusion. You know, the scripture said, because people wouldn't receive, not they would fight it off instead of embracing it. The truth. Jesus is the way, the truth. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let that come in. They wouldn't work with that. Because they received not the love of the truth. You've got to love this truth. You've got to love this word, this chapter and verse. Let God put that love in your heart. And that comes by you using that faith credit card and believing him. And he's got a lot of good things planned. More than you can realize. More than you can imagine. I have not seen here, hath not heard what God has prepared. But he reveals it little by little. 
as you're faithful. Sometimes it's your faithfulness that's called into question. Old Testament, there were people that did the same thing. They rose up against the leader Moses, the servant of the Lord. They discouraged the hearts of the people. They always go about trying to get other people, you know. They always go around, around trying to find others and convince others that their way is right. And Abiram and Dothan and Cory. You ever read in the Bible, it talked about perished in the gainsaying of Cory, the book of Jude. The whole story goes with that, a whole account, a whole file. Yeah. They discouraged. They went around, they were discouraging people, trying to break them away from Moses, the leader, the servant of the Lord. And God said, oh, okay, I'm going to deal with this. And you know, it wasn't too long after a while you didn't see certain people. Because the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. Now back then it was a physical reality. An earthquake, a fissure. Because they rose up. They went against. They wouldn't submit. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't repent. There are others that were doomed to wander in circles in the desert. For 40 years, and it's fitly named the, the wilderness of sin. And they wandered, and they wandered, and they wandered for 40 years until their bones bleached by that hot sun. And God had raised up another generation. He found other people. When some wouldn't, he found those that would. And they worked with Moses, his servant, and he brought them to the brink of Canaan land, the promised land. And that was no delusion. Remember, it said, because they received not the love of the truth, it went on to say God sent them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned. So what about it? Believe the truth and be saved? Only other alternative is to believe a lie and be damned. I think the believing, I'm, I know and am convinced. As Paul said, I know. In whom I believe. I know that to believe the truth and be saved is far, far, far better. There is no comparison. To not loving the truth and not believing the truth and not submitting and wind up with a delusion. Looking for something somewhere else. It'll be better over there. Be better over there. Be better. You know. And then you just die in sin. Yeah. I've known of people to, uh, of people to, to fight, to argue, go against, always have an excuse, always come up with something that they can't even explain themselves. There's so much confusion to a spirit. And the one individual was shown in a dream her and her family member with her. And then all of a sudden, a woman got up and exited out a door. And what the Holy Ghost was showing is she's going to die. And she did. She did. You know, I don't want to go out fighting against this. 
I want to go out fighting for this. I want to fight for the Lord. I want to fight the good fight of faith. It's not a physical fight. The weapons of all warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of the enemy's stronghold. And it all starts with you believing. With you believing. Wherever you're at. <laughs> Wherever you're at. If you're not yet born again, it's going to start with you believing. You're going to repent because that's what the Scripture tells you to do. You're going to get baptized in Jesus' name because in water because that's what the Scripture said to do. And you're going to receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit because that's what the Bible teaches us and shows us and they experienced in the very beginning. And the way the first ones came out, came into the church in the beginning, that's the way the last ones are going to come in till Jesus returns. And we're not far from his return. We're closer to that, of course, than anybody else has ever been. And we're seeing more things fulfilled than anybody else has ever seen fulfilled before. We're living in that time. Not too long, there won't be any cash. No, no, there won't be any cash. Somebody, I need to go find it and write them down, but they listed either 10 or 20 things that are, are going to cease to exist in our society. But to me, the most important one is money because it's such a biblical signal and that they will go to a completely different number system just like the Bible foretold. Oh, let's get with God. Let's believe him. Let's believe and love the truth that he has brought to this planet. And how that Jesus, in the days of his flesh, gave his life on that cross. And having done so, rose again the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Having the keys to that. And then how that he sent them with specific instructions. And of above 500 people, about 120 shook off family and friends and, and employers and other things and just went on to where Jesus told them to go, a specific location in a specific city that they knew of because they were right there just a, within a day's journey, maybe less. And they went to that upper room of that church house to, to get that repentance and remission of sins that would be preached in Jesus' name and that to wait there for the promise of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God. And that about 120, which included Mary, the mother of the flesh, received that great experience. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, they were. And that having taken place, they went forth and they filled that city with the apostles' doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. And they didn't stop there because God gigged them a little bit, inspired them a little motivated them a little bit, gave them a little pinch and they begin to reach to other cities and other areas. And that's why you have Romans through Revelation. Because new works were started in new fields. And as these new people came in to these new congregations, 
and pastors were set up to pastor these congregations, and the people were answerable too. How many times the word command, we command you, we command you. We're living in a time, though, when people don't want to be commanded. They don't, they, they yielding to their flesh. And they want to be independent of everything. They want no accountability. That's flesh. And if you yield to that, you become the servant of it. And in some cases, again, again. And you'll be wandering in a delusion and in a delusional way looking for something that's not there. And one night, your soul will be required of you. It's a much better account, if you like the word story. It's a much better account, though, when we do it God's way. The angels come and get us. We get brought to the Lord for all eternity. Eternity is at stake here. Eternity is at stake. Not just a little time. Not a short sentence. You know, not something that can be commuted from life to 20 years. No, there's no such thing. No such thing. No such thing. But there's a heaven that waits, and I tell you over and over, let's go to heaven, Belglade. Let's go to heaven. It's attainable. It's reachable. You can do this. All this other stuff, care not for it. All this other stuff, care not for it. It's temporary. It's going to pass away. But you can be of that number that look at the things which are eternal. No end to them. No end to them. I always like that phrase that, uh, you know, when people say they're going to go to hell because all their friends are going to be there and they're going to party. Somebody said, party was canceled due to fire. <laughs> yeah. There ain't going to be no party in hell. There's too much agony. Too much fire and brimstone. Too much whipping of the mind by the own memory. If I went to that church, I sat in those pews, I heard that word. And some people it would be time and time and time and time and time again. And I let it, I let it, what did the Bible say? Less than any time you let the word slip. You know, it gets away from you. It's all there for you. Every good thing is set before you. As it is written, I've set before you an open door. You've got to come through that door. And Jesus is the door. He's right there. Arms open wide. Come on. Come on. Quit excusing. Quit dragging around. Quit procrastinating. You know, you can put off and put off and put off until you put off. Oh, yeah. All those things he was going to do, but it said, This night thy soul is required of thee. That man died. And I told you a lawyer. He died in 2008. Now it's 2017, nine years ago. He's been gone nine years. Wife's gotten older, losing her mind. And all of his plans and all of his will and all of his trust and everything else 
that he had knowledge to do. You got a crazy nut running around trying to sell it off to get some stuff to snort up her nostril. My God. How, what a mess it can all turn out to be. And I've quoted it to you before, and I, the Bible teaches it, but it doesn't say it this way, so I'm just quoting a, you know, a reference there. The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. I'm going to build bigger. No, you're not. You're going to die tonight. Wow. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. It is written, today is the day of salvation. Now's your opportunity. Now's your chance. You have such an opportunity. Old man in a church house. People laughed at him. People mocked him. Ah, that old coot, he's just down there in the church house again. But his faithfulness paid off when he got a message from above. He said, I've got a package coming for you. I've got a little baby going to be brought to you according to the law. Eighth day after birth. Nothing new. Same old thing. Been doing it for years. Yeah, but this one's different. Really? Uh-huh. This one's the Christ. Say what? That's what I've been waiting for. Man, he came out there and saw that young couple, Mary and Joseph. Saw that bundle. Man, oh man. He took that child, I'm telling you, and held it up. That old man. And arms made strong by the angels. And said, now I can depart in peace. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. Well, you know what? We're living in a time where we've got that salvation. And you see it. You've got to act on it. You've got to act on it. It's not enough just to see it. You've got to act on it. He lived and died under the law. You're in grace. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you've got to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. You gotta do it. There is no excuse. There is no other way. No other way. No other way. Had a young man, you can remain standing. Had a young man asked me, he's working behind the counter, and he said, How was your Easter? Of course, I had invited him to come to Easter service. He didn't come. I said, Well, it was really great. I said, except that you weren't there. Would have been better. And he kind of, he said, well, you know, he said, I go and he names someplace. And I said, well, that's too bad for you. I said, they, they don't teach this truth, this original truth that comes right out of the Bible. It's right there. And I gave you, an, I showed you. You could put your finger on the chapter verse and read it for yourself. I said, now, if you want to learn how to box, they got a boxing ring for you to get into. I don't have a thing in the world to do with salvation, but that's the kind of stuff they do. You know? Yeah. The enemy will provide anything that will get you to go right or left or back. But, friend, he fights the truth. He fights the truth. Any way he can trip you up, any way he can get you 
in a fuss and get you off course. He's going to do it. Don't give him the satisfaction. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. So, care not for it. Care what you should care for. The rest of it, care not for it. Care not for it. I'm very glad to see our young people coming in. God love their heart. Took a bunch of them over yesterday, and they were a good example. Good example. And that's a good thing. This world needs a good example of young people that are learning, learning to live for God. All right. Let's take a moment, if you would, and let's pray together. Your own way. Thank you, dear God. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Oh, God, I want to care for the things of God. Won't you help me, Lord, and help us all? Give us divine strength and victory and encouragement in the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, my Holy Father, to go forward in Jesus' great name. In the name that's above every name, we love you and praise you and worship you. And, oh, God, we need you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. 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 All right. Maybe we can take care of a little business while we're at it. Everybody said God bless the offering. In Jesus' name.